Hey, I'm Jesse. We're in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 1. Let's have a devotion together. Chapter, chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Don't rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and the younger women as sisters with all purity. Because Paul was younger than some of the men that he would have to correct or encourage, he would have to do so with deference to their age. Uh, Dr. John MacArthur in his commentary shows how this actually is parallel to Old Testament principles. He cites Leviticus chapter 19, verse 32, Job 32, verse 4, and verse 6, Proverbs chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, 16, 31, and Proverbs 20, verse 29. This is something that happens in the Old Testament a lot, that we, to, to respect people who are older than we are. So when, when Timothy, as a pastor who's shepherding and leading the congregation at Ephesus, and there's an older man in the faith who needs to be rebuked, needs to be corrected, he's, you're to do so gently. You should do so as he is your father. All right, when you disagree with your father on something, do you remember what this is like? Maybe you're a high schooler or you're a college kid or whatever it is and, and you, you saw something, you realize, oh man, like my dad who's been teaching me the Bible my whole life was, was wrong about this. How do I bring this up? How do I talk, how do I talk to him about this? Like, I gotta be respectful. I gotta make sure that I cover my base as well. That's exactly what Paul's telling Timothy to do. Oh, I gotta make sure I'm doing this uh, when I rebuke or correct this older brother in the faith in my church. I gotta make sure I do so respectfully. I gotta make sure that my, I've got my, my case well built. I got to make sure that I don't do this in a way that is overly harsh. The original Greek uh, describes this this stinging, biting uh, connotation to the rebuke. I right, don't rebuke him harshly. The the original Greek really conveys, but you exhort him as a father. You correct someone older than you in the faith the way that you would correct your own father. Same thing with 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 younger men. You do so as though they're your brothers. How do you correct your brother? <laughs> like, well, just I smack him in the face. I don't think that's what Paul's telling Timothy to do. But when you do, when, when a pastor doesn't need to correct someone who is younger than him, he does do, do that the way that you would your brother. All right, my brother Zach was like the greatest older brother in, in history. My parents have pictures of him at my soccer games or my football games, like with his hand around my shoulder and he was coaching me and he was, he was, he was teaching me stuff all the time. He's always, he'd always give me encouraging words and tell me exactly what I needed to do to improve my game. That's how Timothy was to correct younger men, like brothers, like there is younger brothers. How do you coach your baby brother? When you do this correction, what you're doing is you're trying to make him better because you love him. You want him to win. So how do you correct your little brother? You do so by taking him under your arm, you, put, you pat him on the shoulder pad, you know, and you give him something encouraging because you want him to go out there and win. That's how Timothy was to correct the younger men in the church. Older women as mothers. How do you talk to your mom? That's how you should speak to older women in the church. The exact same way you speak to your mom. Timothy, when you need to correct or exhort an older woman in the church, pretend like you're talking to your mom. All right, how sweet is that? <laughs> what a sweet, what a sweet pastoral approach. This is phenomenal pastoral advice. And it doesn't, doesn't just apply to pastors. If we all do this, regardless of our offices in the church, it's, that's a sweet church to be at. And then the younger women as sisters with all purity. Paul told Timothy to watch himself when he was correcting, encouraging, or exhorting younger women to do so with all purity, with all purity. 
sometimes it's called the Billy Graham rule, but uh, it, it evident, evidently it was, it's really the first Timothy chapter five rule. It's really, it's the Timothy rule. Because uh, as much as we, as we love Billy Graham, he was just abiding by this standard with all purity so that nobody could say anything condemning. It's all above reproach. This is what I, my wife and I have always done when it comes to ministerial practice. I've never given a ride to a student one-on-one. -on -one. All right. Uh, I, if there's a young, when there's a young woman who was the last one to be picked up for a student ministry event, the two of us were sitting outside on the front steps in full public view. Okay, I'd have a woman come and join me so that nobody can make an accusation. Nobody can, nobody can even say anything. Because even sometimes accusations of impropriety are enough to damage a reputation. I saw that happen to a falsely accused pastor in, in Pensacola. Even though he was proven innocent and exonerated thereafter, just the accusation enough was, uh, was enough to, 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 to make him want to resign and move. That really stinks. So you, with all purity in our practical sense means that you do, so, you do so in a way that's totally upright with complete integrity. You know, uh, my, my wife and I have always shared, you know, online profiles. She sees everything, all my emails and all my, all my text messages and all my Facebook stuff. She has access to my phone and my laptop. Honestly, it's a matter of convenience. I, like I would never lock my wife out of my phone. She, I, I, in absolute purity, she sees all of my correspondence and, uh, she knows, she knows everything about me. You know, uh, I don't, I'm never one-on-one, -on -one, uh, with a woman. Um, and, and for that reason, nobody could ever make an accusation. Uh, in fact, my wife and I got into real estate in the last year. Um, just, you know, uh, help make money in church planning. It's kind of hard, <laughs> but we're trying anyway. And my wife, Jessie, was hosting an open house. And there was a man who walked in to the open house and it dawned on her instantly. This is the first time I've been alone with a man who's not my husband since we got married 13 years ago. <laughs> and she, she, she told me afterwards it was really weird and we're not super legalistic about it. It just becomes second nature over time. We're just never alone with anyone of, of the opposite sex so that nobody can even make an accusation. Nobody can even say anything. But real estate, which was a new thing for us, just put us in that environment. And Jesse started texting me. She's like, oh, this is weird. I haven't been alone with a man ever since we got married. And, and it was just odd. It felt uncomfortable. It was like putting your shirt on backwards. It was like, oh, this doesn't feel quite right. This is not, this is, this is odd for me. We're not super rigorous about it. It's just become second nature. You don't even think about it. You don't even have to talk about it. It's just how you function. It's just what you do. It's like brushing your teeth. Of course,